You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. everybody, it's Claire. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. I'm Claire, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at the American Council of the Blind. And this is Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. Thanks everybody for being with us. Um, We'll do some of our usual housekeeping at the end, but again, we always want to encourage you guys, check out acb.org. If you want to become a member, you can find out everything there. If you have any issues or questions, feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. We want to hear from you guys. And again, I'll say this later, but I always want to put that out there so you guys know that we are here to uh, hear from you guys. Um, So today we're really excited to have a guest be on our show, um, somebody that we work very closely with um, in the greater disability advocacy space. Um, So we're going to go ahead and jump in. And Carol, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to to participate today, and Claire, and for ACB's work and leadership. Um, I really enjoy getting to work with you and others. Uh, My name is Carl Tyson. I serve as the Government Affairs Liaison for the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, or DREDIS, because that is a mouthful. DREDIS is a National Civil Rights Law and Policy Center. It's directed by individuals with disabilities and parents who have children with disabilities. Uh, Our mission is to advance the civil and human rights of people with disabilities. We work towards a just world where all people live full and independent lives free of discrimination. Uh, DREDIS is based in Berkeley, California, but it does national work. Uh, We were very active, and most people know us as a group that was uh, a leader in the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Mm -hmm. Act, Um, but we continue to have really amazing uh, policy uh, advocates and uh, lawyers uh, in California that work on healthcare, housing, education, and transportation. That's great. How long have you been working at DREDF, Carol? I have been there uh, just over, well, probably a year and uh, maybe four or five months, so not too long, <laughs> but really proud to work there. <laughs> great. Well, so that's a great uh, great background to, to who Carol is and where we're coming from. So uh, we're going to speak specifically today about transportation. That's something that all of our listeners who are part of the blind or visually impaired community are very um, interested in, we know, because it's a big issue for us, right? You know, most of us can't drive, and so if you can't drive, public transportation is key. Um, And depending on where you live in the U.S., it's more or less available just depending. And so, for instance, one of our imperatives that we're working on this year that we talked about at Legislative Seminar is autonomous vehicles. It falls under the transportation Umbrella. So transportation is something that I'm really fortunate to serve on a task force with Carol as a co-chair through the Coalition of Citizens, Consortium of Citizens with Disabilities, excuse me, CCD. Um, So I am really lucky to be the co-chair with Carol and Lee Page as well. The three of us are co-chairs for the task force. Do you mind telling um, Carol, everybody, what CCD is? No, not at all. 
so CCD, or the Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities, is the largest cross-disability coalition for organizations that serve and represent the concerns of people with disabilities. It has uh, roughly at any given time 100 uh, national organizations um, that make up the, the coalition. Um, we work together to advocate for federal policy and legislation. Uh, our collective goals, if, if you look it up, are the self-determination, independence, empowerment, integration, and inclusion of children and adults with disabilities in all aspects of society. That's the mission. Uh, CCD is headquartered in Washington, D.C. It has a long history. It was founded in 1973. Um, it has 15 different task forces, all working on different issues, including education, health, uh, civil rights, and transportation. Most of the task forces meet monthly, and all are led by elected co-chairs. Um, I think some people think we're paid additional money to do the work, but we're not. We all volunteer our time. <laughs> it, is, it is funny. <laughs> you should laugh. <laughs> um, if there's money, um, told me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the task forces develop policy recommendations. Uh, meet with and educate members of Congress and the administration and the public, provide congressional briefings, draft comments, meet with industry and stakeholders, and respond to media requests. Um, I think it, they play a really crucial role in policy development here in D.C. Uh, amongst the disability community because uh, I think there also um, is sort of a belief outside of the disability community that we all sort of live the same lives as, as people with disabilities and have the same perspectives and um, you know that's not true. <laughs> we all live yeah. and have different opinions about um, policy and bring our unique perspectives um, from the different communities that we represent and the task forces provide a space for us all to share those perspectives, sometimes debate uh, and find consensus about what we can work on together and what we want to advocate for. I like that. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, Clark. So Clark and I both uh, serve on different task forces. Like I said, I'm one of the co-chairs for transportation, um, but I also participate, for instance, in the rights task force or the social social security task force. Uh, Clark, what are some of the ones that you sit in? Oh man, employment, education, uh, technology, health. So Clark and I are, you know, on a monthly basis are going to these various meetings and um, they're such a great venue for us to, you know, put in our two cents and advocate for the blind community, but also just to hear about what's going on and um, be able to play a role in what's going on in D.C. and in the national scene um, and just to network with other advocates to find out what's going on, to be educated. So it's a really, really invaluable tool we have here in D.C. And to Carol's point about consensus building, uh, a lot of times here in DC, there could be a policy issue that comes up. And if different members of the disability community go to the Hill with different messages, some members or staff will just throw their hands up in the air and be like, I'm not getting in the middle of this food fight. <laughs> you know, you all go back, figure it out. So when the disability community is able to speak with one voice and put their weight behind a single policy position, it's really powerful and it makes the job of our elected officials a whole lot easier. Definitely. Great. 
So transportation, that's the, the topic of the day. Um, something I'm personally really passionate about, and I'm sure Clark would agree and Carol, you would agree. Um, so let's talk transportation. Um, like I said, uh, autonomous vehicles, for instance, is one of our imperatives this year, but there's a lot going on in transportation. Um, we're constantly dealing with stuff concerning Amtrak. That's an ongoing thing. Um, always hearing about different um, bus systems back home, things like that. When I say at home, meaning at the, the state level where you guys are all coming from, from different affiliates. So uh, Carol, what are some of the different um, specific topics that we're starting to see across come across our table right now in the transportation world? All right, I think, um, well, we had a meeting at the beginning of the year and decided, you know, these are the things we want to focus on. So you mentioned <laughs> Amtrak, uh, and that's still a major priority for the task force and its members. Um, the task force has a long history uh, of engaging with Amtrak to demand compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, in ADA, they were given a lot of time to come up to speed and make their trains and their stations accessible, and I think a lot of us know they are not as accessible as they could and should be. <laughs> So we um, meet with them uh, quarterly with Amtrak, who is based here in D.C., to, to raise issues and concerns. Um, last year, we wrote a couple letters um, from the co-chairs uh, that raised oppositions to station staff cuts, uh, a decrease in the disability discount that's given, and proposed cuts to long-distance rail lines. Um, we're going to keep meeting with them quarterly. We have a meeting this week. Um, and we advocate for accessibility of the stations and new trains and, and current trains. Uh, to, for more staff training, we um, were able to weigh in and get a briefing on the training that they were giving to staff uh, recently this year. Um, we have a call this week on their emergency management plans. Mm -hmm. uh, Claire does an excellent job of raising issues with their website and mobile application accessibility, and then the new issues as they come up. So that's, yeah. that's what we're doing. In fact, I'm going to use that as a plug. I just got a phone call this very um, morning from one of our members telling us that there have since been changes to the Amtrak uh, application and website, and people are now having a hard time buying tickets again. Um, so we'll bring that up at the next meeting uh, this week, coming week. Um, but if you guys are experiencing that, please um, shoot us an email at advocacy at acb.org. The louder the voices, the better. So share your stories with us so we can bring those, we can go armed with those stories. Because like I said, I did just get a phone call about that. So. Yeah, I want to second that. Whenever we have real life stories to share with them, they're always sort of aghast <laughs> and, like, and just we have to fix it right away. Yeah. So the real life stories are wonderful to be able to bring. Um, you mentioned autonomous vehicles. I could talk a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, please. Uh, so. Uh, we all know that autonomous vehicles have the potential to drastically improve access for, for people who are blind and, or visually impaired, but all people with disabilities and anybody who can't drive right now. Um, so AVs will be used likely to provide share mobility as a service similar to Uber and Lyft now and they'll be used by public transit agencies and available for private purchase. So that's a lot of different ways to access autonomous vehicles in the future. 
Um, last year, at the end of last year, the task force developed and adopted uh, principles and recommendations. Uh, we had 22 uh, cross-disability organizations sign on, which was pretty great. Yeah. Um, and they've been shared with USDOT at the end of the year. And then we've had two Hill visits so far where we shared those principles uh, because we know they're going to be developing uh, and reintroducing legislation this year. And we just want to make sure they have our needs and concerns. Uh, in their minds. Uh, we're going to continue to meet with staff and uh, federal agencies and then industry stakeholders to uh, to advocate for accessibility uh, and we'll continue to update our members, our task force members on the legislation. Great. Um, one thing we did at the uh, in the fall of last year too, I think, which was really useful was um, get task force members to attend a meeting with the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability mm -hmm. Employment Policy, which is a lot of words. <laughs> so, uh, ODEP is the way to shorten it. Um, they have been uh, leaders in this space, ODEP has, because they understand that to have a job, you need access to transportation most of the time. Um, so they have really been advocating for accessible autonomous vehicles. Uh, so they had a meeting with the Department of Transportation, a listening session, and invited all the organizations that work on disability that they knew of. It was a very long list. Um, yes. And one of the roles that our task force played was to really encourage our members to attend um, as much as we could. And, and we did that a lot and got a really good showing. Um, and uh, we had, they broke it up, the discussion, into needs of different parts of the disability community. So there was a discussion about the needs of, of people with physical disabilities, um, sensory disabilities, uh, cognitive disabilities, and then people with disabilities in rural areas. So we talked about the issue, and everyone shared. And then I think Clark was there, if I remember correctly. Um, and they developed a report uh, based on all of the things that were shared uh, during that meeting, which is now a, an amazing advocacy tool to share with the companies that are building uh, autonomous vehicles. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed participating in that conversation. I think we were really able to bring the perspectives of all different types of disabilities to the table um, from different, you know, like you said, rural versus urban, um, just different perspectives that you know, not no one group could have. So it's really helpful to hear from everybody. And I agree, the report that came out of it, I think is really, really important, so. And yes, I was there, albeit a different lifetime and in a different capacity. <laughs> but in speaking to how autonomous vehicles could help uh, increase employment possibilities for people who are blind, it directly relates to the work that we're here doing for ACB as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, there are meetings that happen outside of the task force um, with uh, autonomous vehicle manufacturers, but also transportation providers across the board, so Uber, for instance, or the companies that operate scooters and bike share. And one thing that the task force can do is let our members know that those meetings are happening. Um, and even if we're not convening them, make sure that people are able to attend if they want. So that those will be happening 
uh, throughout the year and, and coming years as well. With Carol, at ACB, we have uh, two separate committees, one on transportation and then one on environmental access. Um, and just touched on scooter and bike shares and public rights of way. And just was curious if you could talk a bit how those two play into each other for having a truly uh, accessible and ubiquitous transportation infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think uh, uh, the transportation industry is undergoing this giant shift. It's, mm -hmm. it's not new, it's been happening for about, I'd say probably five years. Um, we're thinking more than thinking about mobility instead of transportation. So just being able to get, you know, from where you are to where you want to be and maybe, you know, walking or using wheelchair and um, using public transportation that we've thought of traditionally as buses and uh, and being in a personal car. But it's really shifted over the past five years. Um, so thinking about new mobility services and shared mobility, those are sort of jargony words, but including <clears throat> including using a bike uh, or a scooter or something like Uber or Lyft, so on-demand services. Um, and those are all just ways to get people from their home to the transit station or to their destination. Um, we've been advocating a lot of the disability community has been advocating to make sure that all of those services are accessible as accessible as they can be to people with disabilities um, but also that they're not interrupting access for people with disabilities at the same time and having unintended consequences um, so i don't know here in dc i think we we're one of the first cities to have the scooters and the bike share we're mm -hmm. kind of in incubator of sorts which is good I guess if you do policy because we get to find out about it right away, right away. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to scramble to develop some some uh, stance on it um, and uh, I don't know, it was overnight I um, we had uh, six new dockless bike share companies throw their bikes on the streets <laughs> uh, last year um, and then Right after that, those dockless bikes were pretty much replaced with um, scooters that, that we see here in D.C. everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, it depends on which company you talk to, but um, they, their goal is really to make sure that people have access and uh, that people have access to transportation um, that they enjoy. And uh, people will talk about sort of, you know, less pollution and uh, happier riding but then also but they don't always really push those riders to leave the scooters in places that aren't going to block access so we've seen a lot of the scooters being left in the middle of the sidewalk or the bike stairs being left in front of an elevator to a transit station um, and it's been really difficult and frankly quite dangerous yeah. um, for members of the disability community and I think there was a lawsuit filed, I believe it was San Diego, to, um, against the city and, the, and those companies um, for not ensuring uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, that they were going to comply with the ADA and make sure that access wasn't blocked to the sidewalks um, that people need to get around. So there are ongoing discussions with those companies to make sure that they're getting it right 
that they're educating their writers um, and that cities uh, have the right policy in place when they're allowing those companies to operate on their streets. I think that's such a great example of, like you were saying, how transportation has just changed so drastically over the last five years and I think is only going to continue to evolve. It just looks like so many different things now. And I think that's why it's even more important that those of us in the disability advocacy world stay on top of transportation because it looks like so many things, um, but we all need transportation, right? In order to get to where you want to go or where you need to go, you need transportation and we need to make sure it's accessible and safe and efficient and affordable for everybody, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to be at the table, <laughs> um, at all of the tables that we can get to <laughs> here in DC at the federal level and with other organizations, but then also at the local level because so many decisions are made at the local level and policies are made um, and it is, it's great when we have local advocates who are at, who are part of advisory committees or who are weighing in and talking to their council members or their transit agencies or department of transportation and creating best practice mm -hmm. of what we should be demanding um, from within the disability community and what we want to see. Because when you do that at the local level, then those of us in DC can hold it up and say, look, look at this wonderful thing that's happening out you know, in whatever city, we want to do this around the country. So yeah, it's really important to stay involved. Yeah, so those were just a few examples of some of the transportation issues that are, you know, being seen and dealt with. But as members of ACB, those who are listening, if you guys have any other issues that fall into the transportation realm, uh, please contact us. Please let us know. Um, we're always working on these issues here through our office. Um, you know, through the task force, we have that, you know, extension now of uh, organizations to lean on and get support from and advice from and um, come together to create solutions. Um, so please reach out with that, reach out to us, excuse me, with any issues. Like I said, getting that call this morning from somebody about Amtrak, although it was really frustrating to hear, I was really happy that that member thought, you know what, I'm going to call and we're going to talk about it and we're going to do something about it. And that's what we're here to do at the national office. So please let us know if you're having any transportation related issues that Clark and I can put our heads together and see, see what we can start to do. So. And Carol, other than the AV Start Act, are there any other legislative priorities in the transportation world that you're watching closely? Um, we uh, know that a lot of the, um, on transportation, a lot of the Hill offices are starting to think about uh, surface transportation reauthorization. <laughs> so making sure that all of the programs that we care about um, in public transportation and, and all of the programs that rely on funding from the federal mm -hmm. government, that those, those are still ongoing and that we're, we're able to weigh in and make sure that um, cities and states have access to funding to fix their sidewalks uh, and make sure that the curb cuts are there and you, we're you know, promoting um, the best technology and U.S. access board standards to make sure that there are audible pedestrian signals um, and that that's all considered and taken into account. Um, there's a lot of discussion um, in various offices around innovative sort of access to transportation um, and um, 
there's a little bit of balance of balance to find there because the needs of the disability community are so broad and vast. Mm -hmm. So a lot of discussion to keep talking and thinking about that. Um, we've weighed in in the past on service animal issues. Uh, there are principles that were developed last year that, that people can take a look at. Um, and we'll continue to monitor and make sure that there isn't um, or when there is more likely uh, legislation proposed that would make it more difficult for service animal users that we're weighing in. So keeping an eye on that as well. And that's another area that we are hearing on a regular basis from our members, especially as airlines roll out different policies for service therapy and support animals. Uh, there's just a lot of confusion on behalf of customers, but as well as airline employees on what and what is not required. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are really lucky in the task force to have uh, Lee Page from the Paralyzed Veterans of America as a fellow co-chair because they are really doing a lot of the leadership in this area. Yes. Um, and convening uh, organizations to make sure that we all uh, understand what's happening and doing a wonderful job advocating. Um, and so we talk, they report back and we talk about service animal issues and, and airlines at, at each of our task force meetings. And much like we've advised all of our listeners with communications related complaints in the FCC, uh, you can always file transportation complaints with the Department of Transportation. Yeah. And if you have any questions or concerns or need help filing complaints, let Clark or myself know. Um, we'd love to assist people with that. And the best way to go about that is by emailing us at advocacy at acb.org. Great. Well, thank you so much, Carol. This has been really, really educational and really helpful. Thanks for, for coming and speaking to us. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for all your work. Of course. Yeah. So again, everybody, this has been uh, ACB Advocacy Update. Um, we've said it before, but we'll say it again because it's so important. If you have any issues or questions or concerns, or just want to reach out to the national office, email us at advocacy at acb.org. You can always give us a call here too. Know where to find us. Please uh, stay tuned for our next episode of ACB Advocacy Update next week. And keep, keep advocating, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks. And thank you to everyone listening over ACB Radio and for all the people who have downloaded the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. <laughs>